Let's go to Romans chapter 1. We're going to talk tonight for just a little bit here about Satan's strategy. We've been talking about spiritual warfare and battles and everything, and so I've been thinking about this. And, uh, you know, when you don't understand something or something in life, you know, about spiritual things and and you wonder how it happens, how it works. I don't know about you, but it, it causes me to go to the Word of God and start searching, thinking, and seeking for answers. And you can find them real easy if you search for them. Mm-hmm. Romans chapter 1, let's read uh, verses 18 through 21. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them for God hath shewed it unto them for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Hmm. So much there, so much there. I know that's familiar. We've read it. You've heard it preached on so many times, but we're going to look at it again here. Proverbs 16 and 25 the Bible says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. All right, now we talk about spiritual warfare. When we talk about it, we're referring to the battle for the soul. We're not talking about some show we're putting on or some church is putting on. You know, it's not, or some show the devil's putting on. It's not entertainment. It's not a light matter. It's, it is really warfare. It's life and death, eternal life and death. And it's not just your soul at stake, it's other souls at stake. That's what makes it so big of a deal. We're talking about spiritual warfare. It's the battle for your soul. In that, it's that battle, it's that conflict, it's that struggle that goes on in the individual soul. Christians talk about a struggle. Well, there's a lot of false preaching nowadays that that gives you the idea that you're struggling against sin. Well, that's not really the answer. That doesn't explain what spiritual warfare is. You're not you shouldn't be struggling with sin if you're a Christian. If you're born again, you're walking after the Spirit. It shouldn't be sin that you're struggling with. We're tempted. Yeah, you can struggle with temptation. You can struggle with questions and doubts and all kinds of things. But to struggle with sin? No, not in the Bible. It's just not in the Bible. Now, we look with wonder and amazement when we see somebody slide off into darkness and sin and depravity and destroy themselves, don't we? We, we, just, we just stand with our mouth open and like, what in the world happened? How? Why? How can they do that? How can they think that? How can they be like that? How can they live like that? What in the world is wrong? What happened? Well, we've known a lot of people who sat in church with us and whose conversation was about God and His Word and spiritual things. I've known a lot of people that I've sat in church with, talked to, prayed with, some of them preached with, who are so far from God right now that it's unbelievable. They're in the darkest place they can be on this earth. Mm-hmm. Like I mentioned a week or two ago, I know some of them who are in prison for life. <laughs> Man. 
I know some of them who are absolutely on the bottom of the scale. Sodomites. Uh, you know, this totally depraved. And, you know, although it causes such wonder in our minds, it's really no mystery how and why it happens. Now, I get this. It's just really not that mysterious. The Bible uh, plays, and I'll get ahead of myself, but the answer is right here where we're looking in the Bible. The enemy, he has a broader strategy than just one individual at a time, though. Everybody thinks the devil's just after you, after me, after him. No, the devil's after the whole human race. I mean, his mind, in his mind, the destruction of the entire human race, that's what he's got in mind. By, by bringing them under his power and his reign, he wants to bring about their destruction. The destruction of God's creation in his own image and likeness. The devil wants to do away with it. Do you ever wonder why? Why? Well, I have some thoughts about that, but I don't want to get sidetracked on that. Each individual he that he's able to conquer makes it easier for the next one in line to fall into the same trap. And we need to understand that. You need to understand that. That a righteous man falling down before the wicked is, is a trouble spring. I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, it's something that's contagious. Everybody's worried about the virus. You ought to be worried about how you live and what you say and your attitude and your spirit that you project and how that's affecting other people and what it's going to do to their lives. People blindly follow one another just like cows do in a field. Do you ever go out in a field where the cattle are and see their little trails? Because they just follow. One's looking at the hind end of the one in front of them and that's where they go. They just go wherever one goes, they all go. They wear it. Wear out ditches in the field because they run in the same pass, and people are just like that. Dad said something the other night about flagging traffic on a job on the road, and if you if the first car goes wrong, they're all going to go wrong because they follow the leader. And it's not only in things like that, but it's also in this matter of sin and depravity, getting away from God, just leaving God. And, and heading on down this road. So the falling of one person into evil and darkness has this strange power of influence to draw more after them. I remember when being a sodomite was not a thing that you talked about. It wasn't popular. It wasn't approved. Nobody got out in public and claimed to be one. I remember that. And I remember how they just wanted to have the right to do what they do in private. That's all they wanted. But now, look how it is. And where did all this come from? And how come every family you know about has got some of them in it now? <clears throat> how come they're in the churches? How come they're everywhere? How come? Because of the influence, the contagiousness of sin. That breaking down of barriers and people following one another. Whatever you put in front of people, that's what they'll do. That, the liquor advertisers know that. And the cigarette advertisers know that. Everybody knows that. If you keep it in front of them, they'll want it. That's why you get a thousand emails trying to sell you one thing. Because eventually, when you just see it, every day, every day, two or three times a day, every day, every day, you keep seeing it, you keep seeing it, eventually, you might bite at it. And it does work that way. It's amazing that what he does, the devil, is so out in the open and obvious and has been, it's, I mean, it has been ever since creation. And he's, it's been repeated billions of times over. For every person that's ever been born on this earth, he's done the same thing. And it still works every time because of the blindness of the minds of people and their stubborn refusal to listen and learn the truth and obey it. Still works. The Bible shows us very clearly the way to hell and destruction. 
including all the way marks along the way. And that's what we got here in Romans chapter 1. It's just like a map. It's just like a, a, a sketch that just shows you how to get to hell from where you're at. Romans 1 is one of the best and clearest presentations of how Satan wins the victory and destroys one soul or a nation or the whole world. God destroyed the world one time. And it was because of this same thing. We could go back and talk about Adam and Eve in the garden again and we could talk about the temptation and how Satan came to Eve and we can see all of these points that we're going to look at in Romans chapter 1 just exactly laid out just like it is. It ain't no mystery when you see somebody go from a church pew to the bottom of the barrel out there in this world. It's no mystery. It's a spiritual battle. And each step of the way is accomplished through the influence of spirits working on your mind and persuading you to take that step in tiny increments. Now, y'all listen to me. I got my list out of all that that I gave to you, Brother Mike, about the, all the references to spirit in the Bible. And went looking through that and there's just, man, it just amazes me every time I look at it because God in His Word recognizes that everything involves spiritual influence. The influence of evil spirits or the influence of God's Spirit and His Word. Everything. So every step along this journey here, there's spirits that are dealing with you. Where does, this, where does the spirits, where do they deal with you? Where's the battle at? It's in your mind. In your mind. And that's where it starts. Always. It starts in your mind. And when it starts in your mind, it didn't come from nowhere. It came from evil spirits. And they have all this world system at their disposal to work on us. All of our devices and all of our toys and all of our information that we get. As I was talking about a while ago, the whole world is a lie. The whole world lieth in wickedness. And yet we just drink out of their trough all the time, don't we? We listen to what they say. We analyze what they say. We take it in, drink it in, and fill our mind with it. We have a hard time in times like this even keeping our mind off of it at all. We have a hard time concentrating on anything else. Work, let alone the Word of God. And walking with God and truth and seeking truth were eat up with this world because their mind's full of it. And you're wide open to the devil and the evil spirits who are occupying your mind through all of that information and through all of the senses that you're leaving wide open through all that stuff. It's a spiritual battle. And the devil's plan is like an elevator going down to the lowest depravity. I mean, you just can imagine it like that. Each level is a little lower and not everybody goes all the way to the bottom. Have you ever wondered about that? Some people can start drinking and they just turn into a slobbering drunk and waste their life totally. Other people can start drinking and they, they just go so far and they keep it in check. And they may drink all their life, but they may run a business, they may be a politician, they may be, lead a pretty normal life, but still drink. Do you ever wonder about that? Yeah. Some people say, well, there you go, now there's a good reason to think it's okay. No. No, it's not okay. Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath wounds without cause? Tell me who. They that tarry at the wine. I mean, the ones that drank. That's the ones who have all that sorrow and wounds and everything else. The Bible says so. Each level is a little lower. Not everybody goes all the way to the bottom. Some people seem to stop at some of the upper levels, but... They're as doomed to hell as those that go all the way to the bottom. You need to realize that. Just because you don't turn into a slobbering drunk. If you've left God behind to have your liquor, your weed, your whatever, your immorality. If you've turned away from God, and that's what this is. That's the first step. We're going to get to it in a minute. But you're as bound for hell as the worst sinner in this world. That's right. So don't. 
uh, take heart or be encouraged to sin by those who don't go all the way to the bottom. God has not left Himself without sufficient witness and evidence in this world for men to know and understand all about Him. So all are without excuse. That's what this scripture tells us here. That God is to be seen in everything He created. This physical universe, this physical world. There is enough evidence of Him. It's abundant that you can know the invisible things of God by looking at His creation. Even His eternal power and Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You can know that by looking at the creation. So you have no excuse, not one soul that ever lived on this earth and drew a breath has one excuse. You can know God. You can understand God. That He ain't no lizard or half man and half beast. God ain't like that. Nothing in creation presents any evidence that God's like that. Everything in the creation reflects God. In every way. No matter how you look at it, you're going to see God. So, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Everybody can see from the creation that there's a God in heaven and they can know what He's like. But they won't see. God's image and signature is on everything in His creation from the most infinitely large to the most infinitely small. The heavens declare the glory of God. But so does the tiniest. I mean, you can go either way on the spectrum. And yet the farther you go into the infinitely small, there you can still see. How many parts are there in an atom? Three! It's that way with everything. God's image is on everything. His signature. I made this. Wasn't made by no elephant standing on a turtle's back. You know, where did... It's funny, it's just hilarious if it wasn't so wicked that the devil can lie to people and make them believe such nonsense. They'll believe the most foolish, unrealistic, dumb stuff and refuse God who's obvious in everything. Now the invisible things of God are clearly seen by all men, even His eternal power and Godhead, so they're without excuse. We tell our little children, God made everything. And they believe it. God made the moon. God made the stars. God made the sun and the earth and the trees. And God made you. And they just drink it right down, don't they? They don't argue about it. They just believe it. An innocent, blank mind. They just believe. But at some point in their life, and it's going to come sooner than you think, they're going to be given another option to consider. The devil will make sure of it. No matter how careful and diligent we are to protect them from it, they're still going to be presented, just like Eve was, with another way of looking at things. Another way of thinking. Another explanation. Even people who profess to believe in God and some who have appeared to live a very strict religious life, they're faced with the temptation or suggestion to consider other ideas than God for answers, for direction in their lives. All right, now where does that come from? Where does that suggestion come from for the little child? Where does it come from for the person who sat in church and said they're saved and been baptized and maybe even a preacher. Where does that suggestion come from? It comes from evil. Spiritual evil. That's spiritual warfare. That's the spiritual battle. You know, people should... We start out. You know, this is... This is see, this is why there's so much confusion because Baptists, every church does not teach this now. They've all joined in Catholicism and believing in original sin and so they teach you that you start out wicked and you start out an enemy with God. Well, that's obviously not 
true. Amen. That's right. You start out innocent and blank, and people start writing on you. And they start programming you. And the devil starts working on you as soon as you've got a reason, the, the power to reason in your mind, he starts working on you. Through spiritual powers. Speaking to your mind. Suggesting to your mind. Now God is God of all. He's the Almighty. He's the all-knowing, all-powerful, eternal God. And He's worthy of all our praise, all our attention, and deserves all the glory that we can give to anything or anyone. God deserves it all. He deserves first place. In fact, that is the great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And the law, in the law God told them to put it everywhere, to keep it ever before their eyes, so that their minds would be stayed on Him. And that's the way we're supposed to live. And that's the way we start out, as a little child. Now these little children, that's, that's part of the judgment of God, is because the children are so corrupted by their evil parents and society that they live in, that judgment has to come. But, we start out that way. This whole world system is overseen by Satan. Hey, what does it mean that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God? What does that mean? That is right. Everybody knows about God. That's why an atheist will cry out, Oh God, when he's dying. Yes. That's why that the least likely person that won't have nothing to do with God and cusses him their whole life will say, pray for my bee or pray for my children. When the need arises, when the fear grabs a hold of them, they cry out to God, all people do. So the whole world system is overseen by Satan and he makes sure that there's so much to look at and so much to think about that before you know it, God's not even in your thoughts at all. When they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Think about it. That's the first thing that happens. Your mind gets taken away from God. You stop focusing on God and you start focusing on the world around you. Your problems, your affections, your interests... Anything. There's a thousand things. That's the first step toward hell is when you just stop making God the center of everything. This whole world system set up to help you do that, encourage you to do that, to drive you to do that. That's why there's a struggle. If there isn't a struggle in your life, I doubt that you're even saved. You're just flowing with the, you're drifting down the current with everybody, with all the other trash in this world. If you're resisting the devil at all, then you got to fight on your hands to keep your mind stayed on thee. Because it's hard to, ain't it? Too much. Too much going on. Too much noise. Too many voices. Too much in this world. We got. We're overcharged and overloaded and over busy and too much to think about. And so we've reduced it down to a little devotion in the morning, maybe for the real spiritual people, they do that. And maybe before you go to bed, a quick little prayer. And the rest of the time, it's just your mind's on the world, not on God. It's not supposed to be. You're, I mean, you are flirting with, I mean, you're standing on the precipice you know, of this great fall. If it's that way. So that explains why the great push. I mean, Satan's in control of all this and he don't want you to think about God all the time. So <laughs> we can't have them Ten Commandments where everybody can see them. We can't have a nativity scene where people can see it. We can't have big old crosses out there where people see it. And we can't have churches... Uh, publicly out in the open doing things. That's what it's coming to. 
They started with public property, and it won't be long until they start enforcing it on private property. Mark it. Just mark that I told you that. It's the devil himself. And he wants to remove God from the thoughts of everyone. He's at war with us. And he takes it seriously. Most of us don't. But he does. I mean, he's out to destroy you. He is a roaring lion going about, roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. Destroy. Just looking for a weak one, an open door, an absent-minded one. Somebody that ain't paying attention. Somebody that don't have the loins of their mind girded. As he picks them off. Because they're easy prey. They're just, he's just like the child predators and the, and the rapists and everybody else. I mean, it's so easy now because everything's just wide open. It's just like taking candy from a baby for them. That's the way it is for the devil. Nobody protects the women, the children anymore. We were at Walmart here. It's been two or three years ago, maybe a little more. But uh, we were going out. And I seen this guy walking. There was a little old bitty girl. She probably was three and a half, four years old. And she was as far behind him as the nursery door back there. Probably, you know, 30 feet or something as he went down in front of the registers. And he never looked back. He wasn't paying no attention to her. And he went plumb outside. And, and she's still in the store trying to chase after him. Nobody... That's the way the world is. They're not protecting. Why would you protect them? They don't protect their own minds. And people who sit in churches don't protect their minds either. The first step in the direction of hell is when we stop glorifying Him as God. Verse 21. When we stop seeing Him everywhere and in all things. Do you do that? Do you? When you look at a flower... When you look at a bird, a fish, I mean, do you think of God? When you look up at the heavens, do you just... Boy, I'd like to fly to another planet one of these days. Is that what you think? Or, or is, your mind just, is your mind just overwhelmed with the glory of God? Well, it ought to be. If you're anywhere near right with God, you'll see God in everything. Everything. When it stops being that way, you're in, you're in trouble. Alarm. Red lights. I mean, the buzzers ought to be going off in your soul. Yes, sir. Danger. First step. When we stop seeing Him everywhere in all things, when we glorify God as God, we see Him in everything. We see Him everywhere. We see it and it's all the time. It's a habitual thing. We just, we just do. It's part of being enlightened, awakened, alive, spiritual. You see God in everything that He made. When our mind begins to not be satisfied in explaining things with God, you're in trouble. That's part of, not, <clears throat> that's part of knowing God and not glorifying Him as God. When it's just not sufficient to your mind to just say, well, God made it. Or God did it. Or God's got a reason and we don't know. If that ain't good enough for you, you got a problem. You're not glorifying God as God. If you're just dissatisfied with that. You all understand what I'm saying to you here? When your mind begins to not be satisfied in explaining things with God. When we begin to explain things with a carnal mind full of man's wisdom and knowledge of the physical and carnal and leave God and His Word out of it, you're in trouble. And, you know, when we go to analyzing this world and all that's going on and all this political mess and we just, and we just worry ourselves to death trying to figure it out and, and try to figure out who's doing it and who's to blame and what they're thinking and what they're going to do next and, and we just... And we listen to this one and listen to that one and try to get ideas to figure it all out. And you're off the track. God is the answer. He's the explanation for everything. He's, and when that ain't good enough for you, 
you're not glorifying God as God. You've just, uh, you've just relegated Him to somebody else, just like another person. But He didn't satisfy you, so you set Him aside and start looking elsewhere for answers. You're li- we're liable to find you at the very bottom soon. You know, telling, well, there is telling where you're going to end up. We know where this goes. He tells us exactly where it goes. To the very bottom of depravity and filthiness. That's, don't you understand? I mean, I can't stress it enough. We're talking about the very entrance into this. The very first steps that somebody makes. You know somebody who's off, I mean, on the skids. They have done, went sideways completely. I can tell you, this is where it started. They started looking for answers, explanation, satisfaction, and something besides God. What he was doing for them just wasn't good enough. Wasn't fast enough. Didn't take care of what they wanted when they wanted it, so they got to looking somewhere else. They started... When our mind begins to not be satisfied, when we begin to think that men cause all these problems and blessings too, that that's the source of blessings, that's the source of trouble. It's men and mankind. He's the problem. And that men can solve their problems by themselves. That's just humanism. When you think that everything that is going on can be sourced back to man, wrong. You've left God out of it. Yes. Yep. Oh, well, I could drive it home. Let me just hurry up here. When we have some desire or dream and it seems to be stalled or impossible and we start blaming people instead of trusting God. I'm talking about when we start, when we start failing to glorify God as God. real easy to do. Everybody is just standing on the edge all the time. Sticking their foot over every once in a while and just doing it. We don't glorify God near as much as we should. We don't. We're, we, we trust in man much more than we think we do. We trust in our own self. We trust in the arm of flesh, but it'll not save us. No. We're getting away from God. I mean, there's so many scriptures that back up what I'm saying. God is to be everything. He's to be your answer. He's where you find rest. He's where you find peace. He's where you find food for your soul. Strength. He's the source of strength. He's light. He's our protection. He's everything. Everything. You don't need anything else. But yet we are entangled in this world. And I'm just telling you this because it's such a danger to all of us and for our children and my, my, especially in the times we're living in where the world is so loud and there's so much going on and there's so much hatred and strife and such emotion and passion so high everywhere. And violence, we ain't seen nothing yet. Anything that takes the focus of our mind off of God as the source of all wisdom and knowledge and therefore the place we ought to get our answers from. Anything that does that to us, that takes our mind from God. In everything. I mean, you talk about, we've all talked about this. You lose something and you're just desperate to find it. And you say, oh, Lord, help me to find it. And the Lord helps you to find it. And you say, praise the Lord. And you come to church and say, I lost something. And the Lord, I mean, this may seem silly to y'all, but I just asked him to help me and he helped me. I've done it lots of times. And he's always helped me. <laughs> Little things like that. But what about big things in life? 
problems, difficulties and things and, and hopeless situations. Why can't we just trust Him then too? Why do we trust Him over some silly little thing that really don't matter too much? And then when it comes to life and death matters, we just trust Him for a little bit and then we take a hold of the horns and we do something about it. Anything that does that is taking you down. It's taking you down this elevator to level one. The cares of life and the affairs of this world are a major influence in getting our mind away from God. The parable of the sower proves that out. Cares of life. Just making a living and having a job that demands so much of our mind and our attention. That's a battle for everybody that really loves God and who wants to keep their mind stayed on God. It's a struggle for you. And you will lose if you don't fight the good fight of faith. If you don't struggle and fight and resist the devil, you'll lose. You'll eventually, you're going to slip right on down to some of these other levels that we're going to look at. Not all tonight, don't worry. I'm... I know better than to even try to go much farther. But, but the cares of life, being so involved in listening and watching the politics and the power plays that the princes of this world are doing right now. It's got everybody so consumed that they can't even hardly think about God or the souls of men around them that are perishing or anything about the work of God and the importance of it in this hour. Everybody's so caught up in what's going to happen, what's going to happen. Man, the thing that you and I can think about or worry about that's going to change the thing about what's going to happen. Our fretting about it and our thinking about it and our devoting our mind to it and considering it all over and over and over ain't going to change one thing. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen regardless of what I think or do or anything about it. So the best thing I can do is look to God. Keep my mind stayed on God on my daily life with the people around me and keep doing what God put me here to do in the first place, what I ought to be doing all along. The affections of the heart are a major influence that takes us away from God. Just the affections of our heart for the things of this world, for things for other people. You know, we mentioned it before I have to you about Hudson Taylor and how he had this little girl and he lost his children in China. They died like a lot of missionaries did back then. But he had one little girl that he just adored. I mean, she was just, you know, sometimes it's just that way. They're just a, but anyway, he, he feared, he said, that he would love her too much and the Lord would have to take her. Well... You know, God's not that way. But, see, He did have a point. You can set your affection so on your children, on your grandchildren, on your wife or somebody else till you push God out of His rightful place in your life. What did he say? Love, love me with part of your heart? No, all of your heart. All of your soul. All of your mind. All of your strength. All of it to God. And there's plenty left over for everybody else when you do it that way. But when you push God out of the center of your mind and your life, when you take the reins from Him because of your affections, because of your concerns and or whatever so with god set aside from the center of the mind's thoughts there's a change that happens in the disposition of your heart i'm gonna get this one but we're not gonna go any farther what happens what does the bible say right there when they knew god they glorified him not as god neither were they thankful when you move God out of the center of everything, then you're not thankful anymore. You don't have a thankful heart. Do you ever wonder why people are not thankful? 
why so many people are just not thankful anymore. I mean, I have known some people who were really thankful for what they had. Even it was, and most of the time it was so little. I've seen very few people who are so, who are very thankful for the abundance they have. Well, there's only one reason why you're not thankful. Because God is not, you're not glorifying God as God. When God is in His rightful place in your life, you're going to be thankful for the air you breathe, for the water you drink, for every bite of food you got, for your children, for your husband, for your home, even if it's a fallen down shack. You're going to be thankful. It's not just going to be something you do before you eat. It's not going to be just a repetitious little prayer you say at bedtime or anything else. It ain't going to be a one day a year thing where you give thanks. I think it's such a mockery for an ungodly nation to set aside a day and call it Thanksgiving and give thanks to who? That's the whole point of it. Who do you give thanks to and who do you feel gratitude toward if you put God aside? All good gifts come down from where? From above. From the Father of lights. Everything good comes from God. Everything we got. Life itself is all comes from God. And when He's not there, who are you going to thank? Well, you're not going to thank anybody. You're not even going to think about it. Because you're not thankful. You're not thankful in your heart. Neither were they thankful. You don't believe God gave it to you. You believe you got it yourself. You earned it. Or somebody else gave it to you. In any case, you deserved it. And it was rightfully yours anyway. So there's no need to be thankful to anyone. And so they're not. Ungodly people, when they put God aside, even if they're still sitting on a church pew, even if they're still preaching, if no matter what they're doing, if they've put God aside, they're not thankful. But when the heart is not grateful and thankful to God, it's not grateful or thankful to anybody else either. Not thankful for parents. Not thankful for your children. Not thankful for your food you eat. Not thankful for family, spouse, police. You're not thankful for them. You're not thankful for the soldiers. You're not thankful for leaders. You're not thankful for the person that opens the door for you at the store. You ever open the door for somebody and they just walk around and don't even say thank you? Yeah. I have, yeah. I've had it. I had. I see it all the time. You know, even at a store, they ought to say thank you when you leave. Or if you do something for somebody, they ought to say thank you. Sometimes I'll just say you're welcome when they didn't say anything. <laughs> Unthankful. It's not even in their heart. It's not in their mind. They don't even consider anybody else's trouble, anybody else's concern, anybody else's how it affects anybody. They don't think about anybody but themselves. When you put God aside, you step up and take the throne of everything. You think you're God. That's what the devil promised Eve in the garden. You shall be as God's. I mean, the universe is yours, man. This world is yours. The road is yours. The aisle in the store is yours. Don't worry about anybody else. It's all about you. And everybody ought to take care of you. And everybody ought to bow to you. And everybody ought to do whatever you want. And give you whatever you need. Because it's you. That's the attitude that develops real quickly when God's not the center of any, everything anymore. So without God, people become very ugly creatures. Inside and out. That's right ungodliness shows on the outside. I don't care what anybody says. I seen a thing the other day and it's, you know, is this old, this great old big hairy tattooed guy and he was reading his Bible and the other people were dressed up in suits and stuff and they said, he's not a, he, he thinks he's a Christian, but he's not like us. Well, I get the point, but the point's not well taken. There's a lie mixed in that. So I know that come from the devil. That didn't come from God. God ain't going to tell people that kind of stuff. God's going to tell you the straight on truth. Clear as a bell. He ain't going to mix it up with trash like that. 
Ungodliness shows right out on the outside. What you've got on your face is what's in your heart. What comes out of your mouth is what's in your heart. And the way you honor or dishonor the temple of the Holy Ghost, your body, that shows what's in your heart. So, this is where most people live, and it's enough to assure them a place in hell for eternity. This is where most people live. They're not thankful because they put God out of the... And like I said before, a lot of people don't keep going right on down to the bottom here. They keep going farther than this. Most people do. But this is where a lot of people are living right here. Just no God. Just ungodly. Godless. No God. They run their lives. They make their choices. They make their decisions. They make their own morals. They live the best they know how, the best they think. They treat other people the way they think they ought to be treated. Just simply godless and ungodly, without any awareness, any thankfulness, or regard to God. And, that, and they chose to live that way. Get it? They made a decision somewhere to put God aside. They made a decision, I don't care who they are. If they went to church or not went to church. Everybody has made that decision somewhere in their life. How they're going to live. I ain't going to church. I don't see no need in going to church. I don't need it. I can live like, I'm as good as they are. Somebody makes that decision somewhere in their life. To put God out. And live without Him. And so that's exactly what they do. They lived as if there is no God. They know about Him, but they ain't going to glorify Him as God. They're going to live in rebellion to Him. Many don't go any farther into depravity than this, but their children do. And their grandchildren do. And the next generation usually is destroyed. By their wickedness and ungodliness. The first generation. Well they just. And I can show it in the Bible. It's clear as a bell. Back in the Old Testament. Using and all the way down to Hezekiah. And I mean the four generations. One of them got mad at the house of God. Remember? King Uzziah. They, they 80 priests carried him and throwed him out the door. Because he come in there and tried to make an offering. King. He says, it's not your business to do this, old king. And they carted him out and throwed him out. Well, he would never go back. Well, his son wouldn't go back. The next generation uh, shut the doors. And the next one destroyed the whole thing. So I can, I can make up my own mind. I can make my own decisions. And I can believe what I want to believe. About how to live my life, about my place, about my home and my marriage and everything. I can make up my own rules. Yeah. You'd be a whole lot better off to glorify God with your life. And in your body, which is His anyway. So that's spiritual warfare. I mean, this is how it works. And that's the first thing he does. Just get your eyes off of him and on this world. Even for a little bit. Just an increment at a time. And you, and you know, there was an old word they used to use. They called it backsliding. Well, it's not in the New Testament. Find me somebody backslid in the New Testament. <laughs> better beware of the devil. You better keep your minds, and you better keep your minds stayed on God. And especially in the time that we're living in. Mercy. So noisy. There's so much to trouble us. So much that we can question and wear ourselves out in our minds thinking about. 
done. It's time to draw nigh to God. It's time to draw. It's just like I told you about Brother Kenny. It is time to seek the Lord. It's time to seek the Lord. And you want to be some of the people of God who do in this time. Ain't going to be long. And Jesus is going to come. No matter how, what happens, I mean, it's not going to be long. And we're all going to be standing before God. Y'all realize that? I mean, yes, a little bit here, just as a few here. We're going to be standing before God. And everything we did while we were here, then it is really going to matter. So think about it now. Live every day for God. Get up in the morning. Give Him the first fruits of the day. I mean... Give Him all of your day. Don't ever get very far away from Him. I know we got to do our jobs. And I know it occupies our minds a lot and all of that. But you don't have to get very far away. <laughs> you can just keep touching the base. While you're doing all that, you can just keep keep close. You're better doing it. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the Word of God and for the morning from it tonight. Please help us in this battle. It's real and it's and it's fierce. And Lord, it's serious business. Life and death for eternity. Please help us. Help us to be on our toes. Help us to be good soldiers for Christ and in this battle. Help us, Lord, to resist the devil. Help us to not be ignorant of his devices. The Bible says we're not. And that's what we're trying to make so clear here tonight. The very first thing that he comes at us with is this right here. He wants to divert our mind away from thee. And Lord, help us to hold on to it jealously and vigorously. Hold on to our mind that we don't allow this world and the cares of life and our affections to steal away our mind from Thee. Lord, help us. Pray bless it now to our hearts and minds and make it understandable to everybody in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.